Hi, this is Dion Bake from Butler Mortgage. We're currently ranked the number one mortgage brokerage in Ontario and number two in Canada. And much of our success is due to the fact that we help clients acquire multiple investment properties. If you'd like to talk with a mortgage advisor who specializes in investment property, you can reach me at 888-684-8326. To learn more about what's going on in the world of investment property financing, check out episode 23 of the Breakthrough Podcast, where I discuss the topic with Robin Sandy. Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, episode 88. Hello, and welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake, and here with me again is Sandy McKay. Hey, Sandy. Thanks, Rob. Hey. How are things? Uh, fantastic. Couldn't be better. How about you? Oh, lots of new and exciting stuff all the time, man. Yeah. Um, you know, ever since we did that foreign investing episode, I've been thinking about it more and more. So I've been looking into some markets for some foreign investing. We'll see how that goes. Still in the uh, planning stages, but um, Belize you know, or where? Because I've had Belize. Belize things keep floating across my table. I don't know why, but I saw Quentin and then that group was going down there for something last month or this month maybe. Um, I have a couple of friends trying to get to go to Belize for over Christmas this year. I don't know. It just keeps coming into my world somehow. So. Ever since yeah. I saw it, I want to go check it out. I, I no, not there. Um, I've been looking into Panama a little bit, so I hear it's pretty, pretty good place for Canadians. But uh, anyway, yeah, still in the prelim stages. I was talking to somebody who, uh, Canadian guy, uh, invests a lot down there and uh, has a real estate company down there. So, I've been talking to him a little bit. Maybe we'll have him on the show. Who knows? Um, but yeah, that and doing, still doing a lot of stuff up in Peterborough, uh, that new purchase in Oshawa. So yeah, we're rolling along. How about you? What are you, what are you up to? Um, building out our company to raise more money, to be honest, that's our biggest thing to raise more money to do more joint venture deals. Uh, spend a lot of time on that and look at some bigger, bigger, uh, partnerships, I suppose, uh, to keep doing what we're doing here in Hamilton. Right and Niagara and Niagara. We've been looking at Niagara a lot because we have started to build out a bit of a team there and just exploring that market. Haven't done anything there yet, but kind of like it. Price points are good. Hampton's getting expensive. Still works, but it's getting getting a little out of reach for some people. So exploring Brantford and Niagara quite a bit. Gotcha. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Anyways, let me know how the Niagara thing goes. So you 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 guys have uh, some agents down there, but you haven't actually done like a, a you haven't personally done I haven't any personally it. invested yeah. there yeah yeah gotcha. yeah it's a it's up and coming market it's emerging it's good it's, it doesn't have the inventory quite like like a hamilton does but it's got some opportunities there for sure especially the duplexes there's a lot quite a few of those one's got a bad reputation but it's cheap and and uh and good well you know jeff woods does a lot i think in um down in the niagara area too so i mean i know some investors that do quite well down there too mm -hmm. um okay all, everyone listening should go over to our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca. There you can actually listen to every single one of the episodes that we've put out right back to episode one. 
I think iTunes, we're still having the problem where they're only going back like 50 episodes. So if you've, uh, if you've, you know, uh, taken all of those ones in and you want to go back and listen to some of the earlier ones, you can just go straight over to the website and also, well, what else can they do on the website, Sandy? Pick up the free report there. Uh, the ultimate strategy for building wealth through real estates. Really good, uh, good for free piece of uh, info there they can put uh, to work right away and learn a bit of uh, a cool strategy for investing in real estate that, that we use a lot and a lot of our guests do as well. So go pick that up. You can also get on our list and start hearing about a lot of the events we're running, property tours, uh, live events where you can come out and network with some other like-minded people across, mainly across the greater Toronto area and a little bit outside of that into Hamilton, Niagara and out farther your way, Rob, Peterborough, Oshawa, that sort of thing. Um, and potentially expanding beyond that. So get on the list there and, uh, and make sure you don't miss out on any of that stuff. Yeah, and I'm gonna put it out there. Sandy and I have been discussing and we've got in the works a, uh, a live podcast show. So mm -hmm. that should be pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Still in the planning stages, but you'll hear more of that uh, coming up soon. Definitely. Now, the other thing is, everyone, please go over and read and review the show on iTunes. That helps us get out there to a bigger audience. And I know people are uh, really liking the show. I've got a couple episodes here to read, or not episodes, a couple of reviews here to read. Um, and you know what? I read them all, Sandy. It doesn't matter if there are five stars or not. So we've got one here that's, we got a three-star review. Uh -oh. um, and the person says, I'm trying. <laughs> So they say, uh, hey, I like the show, but I want to love it. So I have a suggestion. You guys can do better with the audio. You know you can. <laughs> and, uh, and then it says, try to keep the guests on topic, which is real estate. Appreciate the effort. And last one that we've got is a five star. So this one says, uh, fun, educational, and easy to listen to. And this is by Fligger. And he or she, I'm guessing it's he though, says, I've been listening to this podcast for a couple of years now, and I've thoroughly enjoyed every episode that I have listened to, which is pretty much all of them. The hosts, Rob and Sandy, are active real estate investors and have a fountain of firsthand knowledge, which they freely and passionately share with the listeners. They bring on some great guests covering all aspects of real estate investing and have great questions prepared that make it very informative for the listeners. My wife and I have been inspired and motivated by this podcast and have learned as much as we possibly could in the last year while figuring out our finances to make a down payment on our first investment property. Cool. Rob and Sandy, thank you for putting this show together. You've definitely achieved your goals by inspiring and motivating your listeners. I will update this review as we move along in our investment journey. Thanks again, Brian. That's awesome. I love that one. I like that one better than the three star. But you know what? Hey, to be honest, like we've been talking about our audio for a long time. And, uh, and so hopefully we can do something about that soon. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of great guests, we have one to get to right now. And we have today with us, Corey McKinnon, who's been waiting patiently. And he's going to talk to us about the mindset required to grow a real estate portfolio and unlocking our potential to reach the next level. So, hey, Corey, how are you? Hey, doing awesome, guys. How's everybody doing today? We're great. Fantastic. Thank you for being here. Hey, great answer. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to do a brief intro here and then uh, touch on some of what you've, what you've done, and then, uh, and then you can add to it uh, afterwards. But uh, I want to give everyone a, a background on what you've, what you've done, a couple of your accomplishments. Uh, Corey's 
a former corporate trainer. He's a national level athlete from the uh, beautiful small town of Sarnia, Ontario. And Corey, uh, as, as decades of business and competition, work ethic, habits, and mindset, he's used that to, to escape the rat race in his, in his 30s with real estate and you know, started off as a profitable side hustle, has turned now into a money-making machine and a 10-plus million-dollar real estate investment por portfolio. Uh, so with investing experience across multiple markets, Corey's done wholesaling, joint ventured, flip for profit, repurposed buildings, bought raw land, uh, creative financing, the Burr method, buy, fix, or buy, renovate, refinance, rent, uh, en route to owning dozens of income producing properties with over 60 doors on the short term and long term rental markets. Uh, outside of, of that, he's got a busy family life. He's got a, a wife um, with three soon to be four kids. Yes. Wow. And yeah, tri triplex of kids wasn't big enough. We needed a fourplex of kids. So. <laughs> Perfect. And, he, and he, he spends now a lot of his time now as a leader in wealth education, coaching, uh, coaching other investors to grow and maximize their real estate holdings. So they too can retire early and, uh, and live great lives. So a um, couple other just notables here for, for Corey is uh, had some, some big events over the last few years, I suppose here. So, Building, uh, building a profitable property management business in southwestern Ontario. Uh, he's bought properties not just at a 10 cap rate, but 15 and 20 cap rates. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Hopefully we can talk about that. Uh, he's turned a triplex fire into a turnaround project with over $300,000 of upside. Closed on a 12,000 square foot church uh, for, for just $12 a square foot. He's picked up multifamily buildings for $5,000. That's interesting, in Canada. Not in, uh, not in somewhere like Detroit or Vegas or Phoenix or something. Uh, he's bought 10 acre parcel of land in primary for development, 26K per acre. He's done zero money down real estate, large credits on closing, vendor take backs. Um, and and in, another really interesting point is actually representing Canada internationally as an athlete going as far as the Olympic trials for weightlifting. So a lot of cool things there. And I think what's really helped him through is, is basically an unwavering mindset great habits and, uh, and outlook to make it all come together by design, I think is the cool part there. So it's leading a life uh, uh, intentionally and, and making this happen on purpose. Um, yes, by design is very important. Yeah. So we're going to talk a lot about, more about this stuff. Um, as we said, really excited to have you on the show, Corey. And anything else to add to that, uh, that length, the uh, list of accomplishments? No, guys, I'm, I'm just happy to, to be here and you know, I think you guys can concur as, as you go further along your real estate journey, um, you got to make the deals, you know, worth your time, right? So, you know, as, as we, as I go along, it's like, hey, I'm looking at bigger deals. I'm looking at uh, more creative deals because um, it's not just the purchase price, it's the terms and what you can, what you can, what you can negotiate, right? So, got to make sure it's worth, uh, worth your time and effort and energy, right? So, you know, if we can put as little into these properties as possible or, you know, get credits or vendor take backs or whatever it might be, right? It's, uh, you know, the deals that I do now are, are way, way sharper than the deals I, I was doing in the beginning, for sure. So, yeah, you know, Corey, another accomplishment would be the sixplex of kids. Just to say. <laughs> well, I'm 43. So it's like, I don't know if we want to keep uh, having kids into our late 40s or 50s or whatever, right? My kid's already asking me, Corey, why, why you know, how come you don't have hair right there? It's like, uh, you know, I used to get that from hair before we were married, but it's all good. 
And uh, I, I love, we'll have to post this, but I love that picture of you on Facebook holding all your keys for your places. That's, what, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, like that one. yeah it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, the funny, funny thing about that picture, it almost never happened, right? Like the, um, some of my friends were, I, I posted, I'm going to go for a photo shoot today. They're like, you should get a picture of you and your keys or doing something with real estate, not just in a suit. So before I, before I left, like literally the lady was packing up her camera equipment. I just said, you know what, what about just a picture of me holding some keys or something like that, right? And they were kind of gave me this weird look and they're like, okay, well, we'll try to make it work or whatever. And I just kind of like held the keys and um, they put one on each finger and there was still more to in the bag, but um yeah, it's like everybody's favorite picture. I like it. It just kind of shows that you know, I think every, there's something, even though you don't want to have all these keys, we use master keys and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, there's something about that physical, you know, you're still going to the, the lawyer's office and you're still picking up your closing keys, right? So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Okay, we'll put that picture up so everyone can know what we're talking about too. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so... <sighs> Corey, I mean, before we get into the, all the real estate stuff, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Like, where did you grow up? What's your background? What was it like for you uh, as a kid? Yeah, you know, growing up, um, a single-income family. Like, I mean, my mom did some extra things to try to bring some money in, but, you know, we, we didn't come from a ton of money, um, I remember. And, you know, I lived in the north end of Sarnia, which is kind of known as a little bit more of a preppy neighborhood. And, you know, I'm going to school with, like, hand-me-downs and, all the other kids have like, you know, Kettle Creek and polo shirts and all that sort of stuff. So I remember having the conversation with my parents at a young age, like, hey, how come I can't have the Air Jordans or this or that or whatever, right? And they're like, look, you know, there's there's four kids in the family and, you know, dad's the only one working. And, you know, if, if you want some of that nicer stuff, you can go and bridge the gap, right? You can go and start doing extra chores or doing extra things to make some extra money, go get a paper route, whatever it might be. and um, you know, everybody nice, likes nice quality stuff. And I didn't want to necessarily have all those things that those kids have, but you always want to have sometimes a little bit more uh, or maybe not hand-me-downs or things like that. Right. So, you know, at a young age, I just started doing stuff on the side, right. I started raking lawns and cutting grass and uh, got a paper route in grade, I think it was grade four or something like that. Right. Um, so wasn't afraid of hard work even at a young age because I, I just made the connection of, you know, if I'm an entrepreneur, then I can, I don't know, I, I make more money than even by the hour of what other kids were making when they got part-time jobs in, in high school and stuff too, right? So, you know, dad was a shift worker. Um, sometimes I just wasn't sure. Even my friends today that have shift work jobs, I still don't know when I'm going to be able to catch them or they have like this calendar they give you, right? It's like, well, I'm on schedule A right now. So you got to look into the calendar and find out when you can actually talk to your friends or whatever, right? But um, wish my dad was around a little bit more. But um, that's, that's another reason why I got into real estate and these passive investments. So I know that I can always be there for my kids when there's something important going on, right? If there's a tournament or a sporting event or a rehearsal, I want to be able to say, hey, I'll just make it happen because my, my schedule is totally flexible and, and liquid, right? So, mm. yeah, that's what it was like growing up, man. Just uh, It was the 80s. It was a cool time to grow up. So, so what was that first entrepreneurial uh, venture then of yours? What did you do? Uh, probably the first formalized ones. I mean, you know, at school we used to trade hockey cards and all that kind of stuff, but um, probably the first formalized one was a paper route. And that was back in the day when you had to actually go and knock on doors and collect money and punch their card that they actually paid. And, you know, you learn pretty quick about different personality types, right? The kinds of people that were generous, the kinds of people that were making excuses that they didn't have their 10 bucks to pay the newspaper. They'd send their kid to the door instead of them. Um, 
but it was interesting, like literally in grade school, you're getting these communication skills, right? The ability to communicate and build rapport with people and maybe do a little bit of sales. Like, you know, we used to get compensated more if we could grow the paper route, right? I actually ended up tripling the size of the paper route to the point when I, I gave it up in grade eight, uh, they had to cut it back up again and give it to three different people. So um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, you know, but again, I should have done what uh, Warren Buffett did, which was like hire his friends to go deliver the papers for him. And then he would just, you know, collect the money. Whereas I, I was you know, missing some class trips and stuff like that because the route got too big for me to actually dish it off on anybody and that kind of thing. Right. So that was the first formalized experience. And then I did some door to door stuff and yeah, in college, I actually got involved with a, with a bigger uh, franchise type company, which, uh, which I did very well with and stayed with them for 17 years. So the, your parents weren't necessarily entrepreneurial, but they did have a, a, a certain worth work ethic, I guess. And, and that's where you got it from. Yeah. Like, I guess they were a little bit entrepreneurial. Like my mom used to cut hair. Uh, my dad actually did have one rental property. Oh, okay. No, that, Hey, that's the, the big difference between, uh, I mean, just from one to none, that's where the, uh, the biggest barrier lies in my opinion. Oh, for sure. Right. And I, I got exposed to it. We actually grew up in a duplex. So one of the first houses that I can remember growing up in, um, I just remember there's like a little lady that lived upstairs and it was kind of like grandfathered into the real estate deal that she got to stay there. I think the rent was like 35 bucks a, a month. Um, until she passed away, it was just like, that was kind of like written into the deal. Right. So my dad had to ride that out. And I, I remember him, you know, going up once a month to get rent payments or going up there and fixing the toilet or whatever it might be. Right. So I was kind of exposed to it at a young, young age and it just kind of seemed to be like, this is kind of normal, right? Like it's not abnormal to, to own an extra or have an extra apartment or extra income property. Right. So, but you know, my dad just never, you know, I always seemed to buy high, sell low. Um, didn't, there wasn't really, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, it was a lot more difficult to educate yourself on how to be a good landlord. Like what checks and measures should you put in place so you don't get taken advantage of. And, um, unfortunately he had a couple tenants, uh, you know, not do the right thing on move out and just leave a mess. And after a couple of times, you know, he just said, you know what, that's enough. I'm, I'm selling. And it's too bad. He didn't wait another year because that's when the market dramatically took a jump up in the nineties. And, yeah, but you know, when you have when you're in this for the long for the long term or the long when you play the long game, it's a lot different. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sounds like he was taking advantage of my thirty five dollar rent too, possibly. <laughs> but like, you. what? I think he actually sounds was like you're hundred and seven or something like that for rents of thirty five dollars. What what's going on there? Well, that was back in the early eighties, right? So maybe market rent was seventy five bucks, but he was only getting half of what he should. Yeah, sure. Wow. 45 okay. but yeah right on man thanks for sharing that Any, anything else from growing up that you wanted to talk about i think just not being afraid to be different you know like um because i wasn't necessarily in that clique of north end kids i mean i, I went to school with them but i you know i wasn't quite in the in crowd which didn't really matter anyways because sometimes you look at some of the the people that had everything that they wanted when they're growing up everything given to them and they just didn't really learn how to make things happen, right? They didn't learn to fend for themselves or how to, how to have any kind of a side hustle or any motivation to have any kind of a side hustle. Um, so just not being afraid to walk that different path, you know, like I, I actually keep it on my wall. Like um, don't be afraid to walk the, the path less traveled because it's, it has the most rewards on it. Right. So yeah, I'm sure you got the same, right? Like we wouldn't be on this podcast if we, uh, if we were, 
average or, or like all, you know, like everybody else, right? Like we're, I think as you rise to the top, you do different things. You want to expose the world to different possibilities and that's super, super important. So yeah, that's the nepotism podcast. We don't listen to that one though. <laughs> this one. Well, Corey, where, where did you end up getting your work ethic from? Sounds like you, you, you know, you have a lot of uh, good positive mindset and, and attitude towards this, uh, towards life, I guess, in general and business. How did you end up developing that? Where did that come from? You know, I think um, obviously my parents and uh, environment is, is huge. Um, you know, I think, I think the teachers back in the day had a lot more influence than they do now, right? Like it's like, can't even, you know, say certain things or, you know, do certain things, which, which I believe things need to be moderated a little bit more in school. But I also think that the, and this is coming from my wife, like my wife's a teacher, right? And it's like we, you know, it's like the, the, the school system is a little bit broken where, you know, there's no disincentives for not getting things done on time, right? So back in, I remember I was having a conversation with her back probably like 12 years ago, and she was, you know, talking about some uh, of her students, so she teaches high school. They didn't get an assignment done on time. And I was like, oh, do you dock them 10% a day? That's what they used to do to us in high school, right? It was 10% a day until you got down to zero, and then you just, you, you failed the thing. So she's like, what are you talking about? We can't, we can't do any, we can't deduct anything. We can't give zeros. We can't give Fs. I was like, wow, that's going to do, that's going to be a huge game changer for this next generation coming up because it's, and it's, I don't like to use the word entitlement because it's, it's very overused with the millennial generation sometimes. And I think there's, some, um, you know, people coming up, but it's like, um, I guess I grew up in an era where when there's, uh, when there's incentives and disincentives for getting things done on time or doing exceptional work, then it just kind of gets more ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. I wonder though if and I'm just playing devil's advocate here for two seconds. Like, what about what about the idea that I don't know? Is, is there a possibility that might build um, confidence? I guess <laughs> in the fact that you're never failing. Like, damn, I'm good. I don't even try. But no, I know. I, yeah, you know. Maybe it's, it builds confidence, but it's uh, it's kind of confidence that might be built on. Um, yeah, you know, like, false right? like sort of like a house yeah. of cards yeah. building kids up, but there's not a whole lot of strength there. And I think like emotional intelligence is, is so important. You know, this is something I focus on with my young kids. It's just, Hey man, like, just don't worry about it. Let it slide. Like, you know, don't get upset about things for very long. Like <laughs> whether your brother breaks your Lego or, or whatever. I mean, just, you know, I think the ability to be successful in the world is, is also how long you let unfortunate things, you know, overwhelm you right so it's just uh you know and that can lead to a whole bunch of other mental health issues and all sorts of things right which i think that the this generation and everybody's struggling with these days so mm-hmm. yeah i can't remember who said it it was i think um it was zig ziglar or somebody like that they were talking about one day driving to work or somebody was upset because they were driving to work and uh you know uh someone in a car beside them flips them off and goes driving you know like crazy and cuts them off and you know uh the difference between and and just getting upset about that right that person doesn't even realize that you're upset they don't care you know but uh if you just go on about your day then and let it go it's the difference between you know having a great day or having a miserable day yeah i mean just you know explain that that well Corey. Uh-huh. <laughs> well that that person in that car must just have something really urgent going on it's like hey sorry if i got in your way uh, but a really good mentor of mine told me a long time ago is just you know try to be like teflon like just don't let stuff stick to you just let it slide off 
water on a duck's back and just, you know, stay focused on your objectives, stay focused on your goals and your biggest outcomes for the day. Um, because if you're getting your, your top three to five things done every single day, and if your goals are really clear and you're not letting all the shiny objects get in your way every single day, I mean, you're going to start to get results. And it's, it's so important that so much of this work needs to be done ahead of time, right? Like everybody wants to do some work and see the immediate gratification because we can pretty much just go on Google and Google anything these days and get the answer. But um, things that take about, you know, take some time. Um, you got to do a lot of farming and a lot of, you know, sowing uh, before you can reap the, the harvest. Right. So it's like, um, yeah, I know we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but you know, that's, that's why work ethic is so important every day to show up and keep, keep working towards your goals because, they do take a while to start growing. Right. And once they do start growing, they still need to be, you know, you still got to weed the gardens. You still got to you know, maintain the gardens and replant every year. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and the mindset thing is something that we were going to focus on uh, quite a bit with you. And, and I do think like, it, it's funny because a lot of people will say, well, they'll give us like listeners who maybe have just come into this or decided to start looking into REI a little more seriously and yeah. I think they'll notice very quickly that a lot of, a lot of this is mindset. A lot of what we do as real estate entrepreneurs is mindset to get over and around the obstacles that get in the way. But on first glance, like people listening to this might go, well, just get to the practical stuff. Tell us about those deals that you were talking about at the earlier stages. Like how did he do those things? And, yeah. and, the, and the, and the one sort of the one answer that actually fits into how did you do each and every one of those is have the mindset to push through the obstacles that got in the way, really. Right. For sure. So yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, totally. And it's uh, usually it starts off with like, first of all, you need to know that the, uh, what you're looking for is actually out there. Okay. So, I mean, if, if someone starts running a, a race or it's like, Hey, you're going to run, I don't know, you might have to run 5k today or I might have to run three marathons. We're not going to tell you when, when, when you're going to get to the uh, the finish line, right? Not too many people would start running that race, but when it's, when it's really clear and you know that you can actually hit the target or the mark, that's important. And um, you know, the more high level training I do, it's less and less mechanics of like, what do I have to do to actually achieve my outcome? And it's more and more like the psychology and the mindset behind achieving it. Right. So I, I did uh, Tony Robbins inner circle about a, a year to a year and a half ago. And you know, you don't go to a Tony Robbins event to find out like, oh, what are all the how to's of like what I need to do, right? Like what are all the mechanics and what are all the nuts and bolts of doing it, right? They do spend some time on that, but it's like, it's so much mindset. It's so much getting over yourself and, um, you know, just staying on track with your goals and, and making sure that you're making the time and you're scheduling the time to do what's important. You know, I, I think it's really, we could explain to any of your listeners really simply, like they want to know how I bought that $5,000 house. Uh, we just did a, we did a driving for dollars campaign. We literally, you know, got a couple people in the car that I paid per hour. They went out and drove till we found like 500 houses and we were lettering them along the way. And we got a phone call and uh, actually we got more than one. We got like about a dozen phone calls, but you know, went and negotiated the deal and it was, a, it was a burnt out triplex. So it wasn't worth a ton. And uh, he wanted like $15,000 for it. Um, if it was literally a half a kilometer uh, in a different neighborhood, the land value would have been, it would have been worth tearing it down and rebuilding, you know, just for the land value. But at this point, um, you know, all I could really offer him, I felt embarrassed offering, but I said, Hey, would you take $5,000 for it? Right. And after a long silence, 
The guy said yes, because he literally, the, the day before he called me, he got a call from his insurance company just saying, hey, we're going to give you a full buyout for $240,000. And he just did the math. Even if I rebuilt this thing in that part of town, it's probably only going to be worth 210, 200, 210. So he's like, I think I'm just going to take the 240 and whatever I get for the this burnt out shell is just gravy, you know, icing on the cake. So um, that's how we got it. And at the time I was already had enough projects on the go. Um, I didn't uh, necessarily want to be rebuilding another fire triplex because I was already rebuilding one at the time. So I, I, I just uh, wholesale it made 10 grand in, in a week. So. Wow. Love it. Yeah. That's and, uh, yeah, for sure. And the action steps to get to each of the other ones, if you were going to talk about a different one, the action steps are different, but still the mindset is what remains the same. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you know, I find that not being discouraged and just staying, staying focused and staying on track is so important. Right. Um, even I get caught up into it these days. Like, you know, all of us here on, on the, on the podcast, I'm sure grew up before, you know, uh, smartphones and, and all that other stuff. I remember having a, having a cell phone in, in college and it was like a big deal. I was one of the first people in my class to have a cell phone. Right. And that's when it was just a phone, you know, what's the best app on your phone, uh, your smartphone, it's actually the phone. So, uh, but now there's just so many, so many distractions. I was at physiotherapy this morning and I remember, you know, hearing my physiotherapist just talking about how, you know, his son uh, just gets, you know, he's always making, taking breaks to go check the sports scores and, and do this and do that. You know, back in the day, it was just like, you had your work and you maybe had cartoons on TV and that was the only distraction really, right? So uh, staying focused in a busy world and keeping your mindset positive is, is so, so important. Mm -hmm. um, why did you get down the path? <clears throat> well, you kind of touched on it, but how did you end up and why did you choose this, this path of real estate and, and entrepreneurial uh, life because it's a crazy one. Why did you? Why did you? Uh, why you did know. you decide that was for you? And and what was the main reason behind that? Well, for sure, guys. Um, so I guess I was like I mentioned, I was exposed to it at a young age. And um, a good friend of mine growing up, his dad was actually a real estate agent. Um, so I just kind of would see some things that he was working on throughout time. And I remember I was uh, I wasn't even old enough to buy a property. I think I was only 17, but you know, I've, I've always had a mature deep voice and I, I remember making some phone calls. Uh, my friend's dad knew I wasn't old enough, but I, I just called some other realtors and I just said, Hey, I want to go see some properties. Right. So I went through some, I had no idea what I was looking at going in, you know, these triplexes with basement ceilings too low and stuff like that. And they're like, they're like, so who's going to buy this thing? I'm like, Oh yeah, my parents are going to buy it and I'm going to help them with it and all that sort of stuff. Right. But I think the big thing was, um, you know, reading, uh, David Chilton's book, um, wealthy barber because he's from my hometown area and then rich dad poor dad came out in the late 90s I remember I was working a part-time job at a gym in town because I went to school for sports and record men um, which had nothing to do with what I'm doing right now but it kind of lined up well with my sporting career background and there's a little bit of business in, in that course too which was cool um, so after reading those two books I was just I was like man this is this has got to be the way to the rat race right and I I remember I, I started in college working at a company called Student Works Painting, um, which is very similar to like college pro painting. And it's to me, it's like the junior achievement of university and college. Like you get to run a, an established business franchise with a high demand service, which painting, painting houses or cleaning, uh, cleaning windows and cleaning eave troughs and stuff like that. Um, and my district manager was house hacking at the time. With, there wasn't even a term for it. It was just kind of like he was he had a duplex and he rented the basement and he rented out three of the other rooms in the house and he was living for free. So I was like, man, if, if Chuck can do this, I can do this too. So that's when I really started to read more and, uh, you know, look in the newspapers and try to find any real estate seminars or events that were coming up in London, Ontario. 
and just started, you know, learning and educating myself, right? I, I worked with some mentors early on and I, I, I've continued to work with mentors all throughout my career. It's, uh, it's gone very well. So I, I just saw it as a, as a way out of like having to work until I just remember my dad towards retirement. He actually took early retirement, really didn't enjoy his job. And they were kind of bouncing him around. He was, he was uh, in the petrochemical industry. And uh, if he would have stayed another two to three years, I mean, his pension would have been much bigger, but he's just like, I'm done, you know, I'm 55 or 57 and I'm just ready to retire. And I just thought, you know what, I want to do something that I really enjoy doing that doesn't seem like work and that you uh, just has those exponential advantages to when you, and when you start to learn about real estate, right, there's just so many ways to make your income, whether it's appreciation, depreciation, cash flow, you know, forcing the appreciation through doing a good, good burr, you know, creative negotiation, all those different things. It's just, there's very little like it out there. So. Yeah. And when you say fun, man, like there's nothing like it, right? Just figuring out the highest, best use, how to, how to make the deal come together, you know, bringing it on partners or not, all this kind of stuff. Like there's so many different things, so many different avenues and, and creative ways to make things happen that, uh, it, I mean, really shame on you if you can't make a deal come together. That's what I have to say for today. Yeah. <laughs> You know, for a first timer, like, you know, for a first timer, they just want to get their first deal done, right? And if they can do it a little bit creatively or, um, you know, stack the value so that they're getting a better, a better, uh, you know, investment, right? That That's awesome. But um, yeah, it's like, you don't have to be, uh, what is it? Paralysis by analysis. I mean, you don't, you don't have to overanalyze this stuff. If the numbers work, it's like, do the deal. Like, and good deals don't last for, for very long, right? So you got to pounce mm -hmm. on them. That's for sure. Yeah, paralysis by analysis is always an issue for <clears throat> for the newbies. It's it's something that happens quite often, and I think it obviously over time becomes a lot easier to get over that. But I, I think a lot of our listeners are, are probably struggling with that currently, or they're you know you touched on the um, you know retiring early and, and and living with passive income and that sort of that sort of what drew you to the investment world, real estate investment world, and all of our listeners, a lot of them definitely want to get to that point, but they're probably not there yet. I think a lot, a lot of these important things about the mindset are, are what's going to help them get there. I think first and foremost, right. Is uh, you touched on the importance, obviously of the how to's are, are there and the numbers and all that is important yet. You're probably not even going to look at it in the right light without the right mindset to begin with. That's right. You know, when, whenever I get asked to speak to a real estate group or, or when I'm, you know, working with somebody, mentoring someone, I usually put the slide up on the, on the slideshow and it's like, you know, it's got mindset, uh, skill set, and then your environment. And then I have them guess. I'm like, what do you think some of this stuff is, is worth if you were to put a score on it from zero to a hundred? Um, you know, with, with all three of those having to add up to a hundred, like, what do you think some of these things should be weighted? Right. And uh, you know, in my, my mind, like mindset is like 70, 80% of the game. Um, skill set is very small. Um, you know, I looked at how skilled I was at different things when I was younger, you know, I was always youngest kid in the class um you know youngest kid on the sporting teams and, and all those sorts of things and um so skill set can be greatly greatly improved huge i remember you know my first workouts uh training and weightlifting i was uh 13 years old i was in grade nine it's like literally i was doing deadlifts with like 45 pounds like but you know learning the proper technique back you know was so important and environment you know environment's very important too which you know maybe we'll have a chance to get into that a little bit later today but um who you surround yourself with and how you set up you know, your day-to-day -day surroundings and um, how you live your life is very, very important. Yeah, but see, you're not talking about necessarily physical environment, which is what I thought you were going to get into it because I was, I was doing, you know, doing the exercise in my head when you said it. And I'm like, 
okay, you know, there is a certain aspect of it where, you know, if you go to the Arctic, you're probably not going to buy very many houses. Okay. But uh, you're, you're more, you're more talking about um, your, your mental environment, I guess, really there where you said it. So uh, I was a little yeah. bit, I was a little bit on a different page as far as the environment thing went. I think like our physical environment to a major extent is very little impact on it as well. Well, physical and mental, like I, you know, people always ask me like, oh, Corey, any, you know, cause I'm also a health nut too, right? So people always ask like, you know, I want to start working out more. Like, what are some things I can do? Well, first of all, you know, make some changes to your environment. Um, go and literally just throw out all your junk food, throw out all your condiments, all the things that you shouldn't be using. And literally just keep your running shoes by the front door. Like you'll see them three to five times a day and you'll probably start to just feel guilty that you're not slipping them on and just going out for a walk or, or a light jog or something, right? You got to get started somewhere, but Yes, taking care of your, your mental side of things too. And sometimes environment can be other things like, let's say if you go to a, a training camp or you go to a workshop where you're just fully immersed for that weekend and you're just going to do, do a whole bunch of, whether it's business work or real estate work, or um, I remember, you know, going to these training camps when I was younger, we used to do two twice a day workouts, right? So you're in the environment, um, all the coaches are there, all the peers are there, the motivation is there, um, you know, just that's uh, those mastermind groups are so, so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So not necessarily important. Like um, if you're, if you're stuck in a car all day and you're doing deliveries, then you can surround yourself with the kind of environment that Corey's talking about by yeah, listening podcast. to a podcast or, or you know, talking to people on the phone, mentor, that kind of thing. Yes. You got to turn your, got to turn those cars guys into rolling universities. It's um you know, you got to come up with some of these uh, elegant solutions where you can be doing two things at one time. So any dead time, you know, uh, just be, be doing mind feed, right? You got to feed that mind and fill it up every single day, whether it's YouTube, podcasts, audiobooks. I mean, you need to constantly, that's how you, how you keep those weeds down, right? And that's how you keep the motivation up by hearing stories of other people of what's possible for them and um, going, hey, you know, even if I just did 10% of what that guy did, like, you're still going to be way further off which is, is, is huge. And, you know, sometimes people might look at some of the things that, you know, uh, higher level investors might doing, might be doing, and by no means do I have it all figured out, but, you know, just keep in mind that I've been doing this for over a decade and um, these things just didn't get learned overnight. So um, people usually underestimate what they can do in a decade, but they always like beat themselves up on, you know, what they get done in one year. Right. So like one year, sometimes it just takes, the foundation of you know your success and then people give up right when the, the all the hard work's already done it's like just keep going at it keep showing up keep showing up showing up is so and so important and that's a part of mindset too is like don't be afraid to just keep showing up whether it's the networking events whether it's you know your um keep uh you know making the phone calls to the realtors or your network or, or whatever it might be right you just got to keep scheduling it and putting in the time good things will happen right. plus Add, add some energy and enthusiasm to it. And that's where everything really starts to bloom. So let's get talking about some of these, uh, some of these deals that we were talking about in the intro. You didn't, you probably didn't start out doing uh, all these creative deals. So how has your investing involved over time? Sure. Um, my, my first deal was actually one of my, I guess, looking back at it at the time, it was a little bit more challenging. So I jumped right into buying a sixplex as my first uh, real estate investment. Um, Originally, back in 2001, I was in my uh, 
early to mid twenties and I wanted to buy an income property where I was like, okay, I got to do the, you know, the wealthy barber, you know, house hacking method. Right. So, um, found a little semi that, uh, had an apartment in the basement and I had a couple roommates that wanted to move in with me. And I didn't realize that, you know, I missed a credit card, a couple months of credit card payments. So I went uh, 60 days without making a credit card payment one time. And I didn't realize what that was going to do my credit rating. So, um, I could still get approved for a mortgage, but they wanted to charge me like two extra percent higher. And I was just being stubborn. I'm like, no, not going to do the deal. I'm just going to rent now. And, um, so I rented this property uh, for three years in the back of the six blocks. And the, uh, every once in a while, the landlord would say, Hey, would you, you know, would you want to buy this sort of thing? And I was kind of learning a little bit from him, like what types of properties he would buy and what his criteria were. And I was kind of like his boots on the ground because by nature I'm kind of like a manager leader type person. I don't mind stepping up and, and helping, you know, people out manage things. So, um, then one of my, uh, franchisees gave me a call at that company at student works painting. Cause I, I moved up to being the general uh, VP of Canada. And she's like, Corey, you're the property that you, uh, that you live at is actually up for sale. I saw it for sale sign. I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Like the, the owner didn't call me and I thought we had like a bit of a, handshake deal that he was going to talk to me if he did want to sell it. So um, there's very few banks at the time that were doing sixplex mortgages. He wanted me to assume his mortgage. I didn't want to assume it. And um, just jumping through all the hoops of making that happen. It was a big down payment. That's back when you needed 25% down. I didn't know how to do creative financing. I didn't know how to get joint venture partners. Um, so I begged, borrowed, stealed. I, I, I didn't steal, but you know, I got advanced <laughs> checks that year. And I uh, came up with $107,000 that I needed, you know, uh, use my first time uh, RSP home buyer plan um, and got into that deal. And from there, we just kind of started doing the Burr method and refinancing. The market was pretty flat. So you had to really push the appreciation of your properties up if you want to get a higher you know, appraisal. on them. So. Mm -hmm. so, so what you did is you saw an opportunity and then you figured out how to make it happen with that one. And that was even your first one. Yeah, so he uh, they put it on the market. It was listed like probably 10% too high. Um, it had an asbestos tile roof. It still had some knob and tube, and it still had some galvanized plumbing. So they probably had like seven or eight offers on it. Like I just remember there was like inspection after inspection after inspection. It kept falling apart on those things. So eventually I think he just told the realtor, hey, I'll just pay you five grand. Thanks for all your time. I'm going to work with Corey on this. And uh, he dropped the price 25 grand. He ended up doing all that work, which was probably about another 20 grand. And then we did, we made a deal. We even did some cash back and, and some credits on closing and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, that was, you know, it's almost like when you do a sporting event, um, I decided to do a half marathon or a marathon as my first race. So then doing these five or 10 Ks in the future just don't seem as hard. That's kind of the analogy I like to use. So when you, you do something that's a little bit more complicated or a little more complex in the beginning, um, the only reason is that, you know, it's just not traditional financing roots, right? It wasn't like a fourplex or less. So uh, it wasn't like I could just go on the internet and find out, you know, who the best brokers were. It was like a lot of phone calls, man, just old school working the phone to try to figure this out. Mm -hmm. So, And you kept making the phone calls until you heard the answer you wanted. That's right, man. Don't, you know, like no is just like, okay, that person just doesn't yeah, see my vision. Right? So yeah. just making the calls until you find someone that will within well, reason. If you're trying to do something that's absolutely impossible. That's different, but um, yeah, nothing's impossible. That's right. <laughs> so we touched on some of them, but I, and I know there's probably tons. What, what were some of the biggest challenges you've had and faced uh, over the years and how were you able to overcome them? 
Yeah, I think learning, um, just learning how to scale and grow your portfolio. It's, you know, you got to definitely play the, uh, the broker game and the mortgage game and, you know, how can you actually keep getting approved, right? So fortunately at the time, up until about six years ago, I, I did have uh, good T4 income or good self-employed income, which definitely helps. Um, I've, I've had some challenges with tenants, but you know, it's like, I've always had systems in place. I've always, you know, documented things, put things on paper. That's just my nature. So fortunately I haven't, I haven't struggled with uh, property management or tenants per se, but you know, they call it property management, but really you're actually managing the personalities of the property, right? So you need to make sure that you're putting the right people into these properties so that they're not going to go and uh, do crazy things on you. Um, I think the biggest thing is just like, you, you get to a certain distance. It's like chasing the horizon, right? Like you get to a certain point because that's, that's as far as you can see. And it's like, okay, how do I get to the next step? Well, you got to go train. You got to train and get in shape to get to that next level. You got to work on your mindset. You got to work on your, you know, your possibility outcome mindset and your, your abundance mindset instead of scarcity to make sure that, uh, you know, so many people just aren't resourceful enough, right? Like we think we need more resources. We just need to actually be more resourceful and realize that now with the power of social media, and uh, that's why it's so exciting. I'm sure you guys are excited all the time you do a podcast, right? It's just the reach that it has and the people it gets out to is huge. And uh, so much different, I mean, back even 10 years ago, um, let alone 20 years ago when a lot of these things were, you know, like I was on dial-up internet, right? It was just crazy, so. Yeah, we'll reach, uh, what are we, at least 10,000 people through this, you know, in the wow. next, you know, once we air this in the next, Usually in the first month or so, we got about ten thousand. So, you know, how easy is that to reach that? Right? You can really, um, you can really grow uh, your reach pretty easily these days. There's really no excuse to to be to be not be able like, to be to not find the answers and solutions to what your issues are. Right? It's yeah. back in the day, so to speak, was a heck of a lot harder. It didn't just start out that way either. And I, and we can do much better, right? Like there, there is, you know, you can, we can shoot now for a hundred thousand uh, in the first month or so. Sure. But right. um, yeah, when we started out, like, I think we were watching it standing. We were like, wow, five people we don't know. We're actually listening to our, like what we put out there, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was uh, exciting, but you gotta, you gotta keep working on it, building and, and then get to, you know, eventually get to the next step. That's right. You know, I think people are just sometimes afraid to ask for help, right? Like that's, a, that's another thing I, I try to encourage people to do is like, just don't be afraid to ask for help. Like the whole fallacy of being self-made, I think is just, uh, you know, I, I really liked um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography because he talks about being helpmate. Like, you know, Arnold actually got a lot of help, whether you like him or not. Um, he's had an interesting past, but you know, he's had a lot of help to get where he is. And he, he fully disclaims that. And it's just like, look, I'm help made. Like I've gotten to where I am because of a lot of great people that have helped get me to that point. So never, ever be afraid to ask for help and always make sure that you're trying to provide value back into people's lives too. You're not just always taking, taking, but it's like, Hey, you're, you're giving and sharing as well. Right. That's the whole, you know, re uh, reciprocating is so important. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. I love that one. Cause, uh, and that's everywhere in day-to-day -day lives for everyone. And there's so many different ways that, that people are often scared to ask for, for help, right? I find that really often in, in some of the people we work with. They're, they're just so uncomfortable to do that. And yet when you do it, especially in the real estate, like investment world, a lot of people mm -hmm. would love to help out, right? As long as you actually take action with, the, with, what you're, yes. with what you're offered, that advice, as long as you actually do something with it. Yes, I, know, I know probably us through here at least and, and a lot of others will... 
well, yeah, uh, as, long as, as long as the person isn't quote unquote crying wolf, right. And wanting help with every single thing, right. It's like, but I just tell people like, Hey, if you're struggling with something for like 30 to 60 minutes, like stop struggling with it, get someone on that task that either is way smarter than you in that area of life or uh, go find the resource that you need. Right. And just, um, don't be afraid to reach out and ask, right. You know, maybe just ask the right people or you don't always have to be spamming your entire network, but you know, you got to You got to get the right team members on your team for sure. If you want to do well and get to the next level. Corey, tell us about your coaching program. Sure. I, um, you know, I guess ever since I was able to retire from real estate, uh, retire from uh, the corporate world with real estate, I had a lot of my former alumni, you know, staying in touch with me, you know, Facebook is, is a great way to stay in touch. And, um, you know, they were just saying, Hey, like you retire with real estate. And I would, I would always come back and speak to the next generation of uh, student works painting franchisees and stuff. And they're inspired by the story. So I, I just started saying, Hey, if people want to work with me, I I've got some programs in place where I can start to share my knowledge and um, you know, we craft out their, their game plan and everything else. So it's, it's, it's very niche. I don't want to grow this crazy, crazy and scale it huge and start to have other coaches. I want to be the coach and the person that's working with them so that, um, they get it directly from the source. But, you know, I work with like 10 to 12 people a year. It's a really niche program and it's, uh, I work with people for 12 months at a time. I don't do less than that. If anything, it's, it's multi years. And, um, yeah, if people want to find out more, they can go to the website and fill an application form and that sort of thing. And if it's a good fit, it's a good fit. If it's not, that's okay. Um, you can only get so far by, by listening to podcasts and, and, you know, watching things on YouTube. I think at some point, uh, people do need to engage a person that's, you know, kind of like a half generation ahead of them, right? Or they, they've got that experience that they're looking for. So I'm great with uh, working with people that, um, maybe have, uh, they don't have properties yet, or they maybe have their first three and they want to get to 10, you know, I'm not necessarily coaching people to buy apartment buildings or anything like that. But, um, yeah, it's just something that's gone very well. And I, it really fills me up. I mean, this is something I've been a, a peer tutor actually since grade four and, uh, did that all through grade school, did it all through high school and even college. And then I, I had a career where I was mentoring and, and helping people the whole time. So I've literally got you know, over 30, 35 years of mentoring and coaching experience, right? So it's kind of like, this is the kind of teaching I like to do. It's not formalized. It's very specialized training, but um, it's just, you know, it's something that really fills me up. This is my mission is to make sure that if I were to die tomorrow, it would be, you know, it'd be a, first of all, be very sad, but you know, it'd be even sadder if nobody, nobody got to learn some of these strategies, right? Because it's, uh, again, it doesn't feel like work. It's something that I enjoy. I wake up every single day and, you know, I have, uh, you know, students that are either texting me or emailing me or we, we do calls and stuff. And it's just like, hey, man, I want to see them win, right? It gives me just as much satisfaction if I do another deal versus if someone else I'm working with does another deal. So it's being yeah. able to live vicariously through them is, is a huge, you know, huge thing. It really fills me up. So. And I think that the, uh, the key to it is a specialization, like you said, because, I mean, people are only getting general knowledge on this podcast. We can talk about different things, but they can't go, hey, in the middle of the interview, hey, Corey, what, what about this? You know, there is none of that, right? So, so, um, so that is sort of the next step as far as education goes is actually someone that will guide you. But I know more often than not, like people doing what you're doing, they don't, they like, they would say, you know, if you're not ready to take action, then it's probably not for them, right? Like you, you, this is, how can you coach someone through something if they have nothing to coach them through, I guess is what I'm saying. Is that more or less what you're, what you're offering? 
Yeah, like, I mean, we got to make sure that the goals are very clear and they're, um, they're achievable. And then I, I mean, I won't, I won't take on somebody unless they have a track record of uh, success and being a person of action and uh, being a performer, right? So, because the worst thing for me is I don't want to exchange value and then not have them follow through. And I understand that, hey, things, things happen in people's lives. Like, I've, I've had lots of challenges this, this past year. Um, you know, and also in the past, but you, you just keep waking up and you keep showing up and that's so important, right? But uh, big time, one of the biggest things, I've actually turned people down because I'm like, look, um, I know you, you have the ability to write the check, but you just don't have the time to, to put this in your schedule, right? So let's talk again when you actually physically have the time and you're, you're willing to actually make that time. Everybody can make the time. Um, everybody has five or 10 hours a week, you know, like show me your, show me the last two weeks of your schedule and I'll show you where you could actually mm-hmm. change fit things in if you really want to do real estate right so mm-hmm. it's so important i mean these uh these kinds of things do take time and effort and there's ways to uh to scale those and be more efficient and effective with your time but they still require you to be at the, at the front of the bus driving the bus so so where would people go to find out about it then yeah they can just go to my website so uh coreymckinnon.com i've got some information on there and i've got some blog posts and um, some videos and stuff. We're going to continue to upload more and more content. So just like you guys, I need to, uh, I need to be, you know, expanding my reach and, uh, you know, starting a YouTube channel and uh, podcast is on the list as well, for sure. So um, right now my first focus was a book. So I've got a book um, in editing phases right now too. So that's super exciting because I know, uh, you know, it takes a little more time and effort to sit down and read a book, but there's going to be an audio version as well. And then we're going to just continue from there. There's going to be video, video courses and everything on all the different chapters. So, Right on. That sounds fantastic. And I guess, what, what's, in, what's the name of that book? Yeah, in, Inside the Mind of a Millionaire Real Estate Investor. So, um, you know, I, again, just on mindset. And there will be some nuts and bolts type stuff in there as well. Um, I don't want to just all, only talk about mindset. But I think there's some really interesting things in there, like the um, – the RAS and, and different things that people aren't necessarily aware of and, and how they've been programmed at a young age to do what they do. And, um, you know, again, to be some things we're talking about, right. Being resourceful and showing up and just letting things slide off of you and, and knowing that things are achievable. And, you know, if you set a target, what if you only hit 90% of your target, man, you still like achieve 90% of the goal. That's awesome. Right. So just get ready to take it to another level. Cause we all have another level, right. Myself included. Like I've got, big goals. I want to start trading up my portfolio and getting into bigger and bigger projects and deals as long as they make sense. So, um, you know, that's where we're going in, in the future too. Awesome. So what is your number one, what's the biggest piece of advice for a new investor out there? What's the biggest thing they can, they can, uh, take away from, from you and learn from? Yeah. Great question. Sometimes people ask me this, right? It's like, you know, what would you say to your 25 year old self? I think too often in the beginning people are so, um, I guess it depends what their situation is, but too often people just want that deal all for themselves, right? Not to, you know, don't be afraid. I guess my biggest advice is don't be afraid to joint venture, even if it's right off the bat. Um, you know, I, I could have gotten a lot further, a lot faster if I would have been using, uh, working with joint venture partners a lot earlier. So mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, take the time. Sure. It might be easy to buy your first duplex, but one of the first things that people should be you know, figuring out and getting very comfortable with and very versed in is like how to attract joint venture partners and then how to work with them. And Hey, it's better to have 50% of something than hundred percent of nothing. And uh, you know, like the size of the deals and what you'll be exposed to 
you can just go a lot further faster if you, if you can uh, join venture in the, in the beginning and raise capital with other people. That's a good one. And mitigating the risk can help people, you know, get over that hump of, of being afraid to move forward too, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously choose your joint venture partners effectively. And I'm a big believer of, you know, one horsepower plus one horsepower does not equal two horsepower. It's, it's like three, right? So there's just that synergy. Um, you know, I think it was uh, Dale Carnegie that talked about, you know, that's that's the whole point of a mastermind. Like when you get two great minds together or two great people together, there becomes this third third mind of, you know, the, the combining of those two. And uh, like this church project, I... I'm in that with a joint venture partner and I have no issues with it. I know working together, we can share the workload and we're going to turn that uh, church into anywhere between 20 to 32 units. Right. So um, I, that'd be a huge project just to take on by myself, but it's like, he's got a bunch of experience and a bunch of knowledge and uh, you know, track record too. So it's, uh, it's going to be a great, a great project. So we're actually going to get started on that this summer. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I, I uh, uh, on top of that, what, what's next for you? Yeah, next for, next for me is kicking the book through the uprights, um, starting to break ground on the church because there's like four different scenarios that we can uh, take it down right now. At, at first, we were kind of holding out to find out what the affordable housing uh, grant money was looking like for our city. And, you know, Sarnia or the county got, what was it, $4.6 million for affordable housing, which is great. Unfortunately, only 400,000 of that is for new units. So if we wanted to be making, you know, 16 or 20 or 24 units affordable, I mean, $400,000 doesn't go that far, you know, when we're building this thing from scratch. So, you know, two, three units. So now we're going to go the conventional route and, um, you know, do that through bank financing and, and whatever else. But um, I, I'm going to start to develop the land. So I bought 10 acres in Sarnia here in the north end, good, good part of town. Um, the soil does need remediation and it's, uh, we got to get it to the starting line or site plan approval, which is exciting. Um, you know, just doing different things, right? Like, you know, for me doing the burr, I've, I've burred, you know, dozens of properties. So it's, uh, it's great. It's a great way to make money, but it's just, I don't, I wouldn't say I've totally mastered it, but I've, I can do it very, very well. Um, so now for me, it's about learning different things, right? You know, maybe bigger deals and, uh, getting into bigger projects. Um, also start doing more private lending and stuff too. Right. So I'm going to be lending out my RSP as a second mortgage. Um, you know, maybe doing some private lending in the future and stuff too. But awesome. These are awesome goals. So I think that people can learn from that too. Look at that. Um, <clears throat> you know, wanting to grow and get to the next level yourself as well, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah but it's it, all in due time, right? Like it's, um, you know, sometimes people, it's just like they get, you know, just don't beat yourselves up too much over like, Hey, you know, and, and focus on yourself more than you do other people, right? Like you'll know by your own yardstick, how you're doing according to your goals and, and your work ethic. Right. Um, too often people are comparing themselves to something that's been around for 10 or 20 years. Right. And it's, there are ways that you can leapfrog success faster and shave years off, but you can't, you can't necessarily shave decades off very, very easily. So um, yeah, I mean, stay true to your state straight to stay true to the course of yourself and um, your own goals. And, um, but don't be afraid to be encouraged. Don't be afraid to be pushed and challenged because hey, if, if your goal is only to buy two or three properties in a year, why not five? Why not 10? You know, maybe a hundred might be a little, a little challenging for someone in their first year, but it's not out of the norm. It can be done as well. So. Great. Uh, Corey, I got one more, one more thing on, uh, 
more of a specific question. I'm curious about Sarnia. If we spend a minute or something or 30 seconds on Sarnia, what's, what's the reason someone should look at Sarnia to invest in? Yeah, I don't, hear, I don't hear come across too many people in, in Southern Ontario, I guess, that are, that are going out that way. I guess Windsor's getting a little more hype, I, I see lately. Um, yeah. But what's, what's Sarnia got going on? Sure, yeah, I heard you guys talking about markets at the beginning of the show there. And, um, you know, I, I guess I just know the Sarnia market because I was born and raised here. And, you know, we're, we're population, the sign says 73,000. We're probably more in the 60s. But, I mean, you can still get affordable housing here. The interesting thing about Sarnia is when you look at the CMHC statistics, it's got an influx of single family homes, you know, so I think we're it's like 11 or 13% higher than the national average when it comes to, you know, single family homes or row houses or what have you. Right. So, um, you know, it's still just like most other cities, a lot of the bigger apartment buildings are owned by REITs and uh, that sort of thing, but you know, it's still very affordable. Like uh, Sarnia's, very similar to like, let's say Chatham, um, not nearly as big as Windsor. So Windsor's like four or five times bigger than us, but you know, I can still cash flow very well in Sarnia. And one of the strategies I do in Sarnia, I'm not afraid to share this with the world, but um, there's a lot of uh, work coming to Sarnia right now. We have a $2 billion project with uh, Nova chemicals. So they're doing a huge expansion. Uh, Imperial oil is also doing $1 billion expansion in Sarnia. And with Sarnia, there's not a lot of um, purpose-built extended-stay hotels. So when all these guys are coming to town and shut down or they're here for one, two, three, six months, they don't want to be living in a motel where the truckers are staying and that sort of stuff, right? They want good, you know, clean, furnished accommodations. So we've actually been switching some of our portfolio over in the past, you know, two, three years over to furnished rentals. And um, I don't even have to put them on Airbnb just because there's a demand for them monthly. And there's less cleaning, there's less turnover. And um, yeah, so that's, that's what we're doing in Sarnia. There's still great opportunities in, in Sarnia. And um, yeah, if, if people want to find out more, they can reach out directly. It's, it's interesting. You know, I go to these Toronto meetup groups and stuff, and they, they still just want to keep doing their $800,000 triplexes in the GTA. And I'm like, why not go to Sarnia? Like I bought a, I bought a fourplex last year. It needed a lot of work, but I, I got it for like 250000 and I got credits on closing. And we put 90 to hundred K in it. And now it's worth like over, over 400,000. So, you know, I'll basically be into that property for nothing. And, um, you know, very good rental market here mm -hmm. as well. Love it. Okay. So if someone's interested in, in doing deals like that, which why wouldn't they be, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. Just send me an email, uh, Corey at Corey McKinnon.com. Um, they can find me on Facebook. They can find me on Instagram. Um, I try to post things every week of what we're working on and, you know, just, just sharing tips and tricks that, uh, you know, newbies or even, you know, advanced investors can use for sure. So. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Really appreciate you coming on today. No problem guys. Thanks for having me. And I, you know, it's, it's great that people are not discounting the, uh, the whole, you know, what's between your, uh, between your ears when it comes to investing or really performance in any part of life. Right. When you, when you're thinking about, um, you know, cause we, we can't just always be about work, right? We got to have balance. We got to have a good family life. We got to take care of our health and everything else as well. So, you know, you can have everything you want, but if you never sit down and take the time to actually map it out and say, okay, this is what I actually want. You know, I'm living in the house that I actually designed like 10 years ago because I'm like, Hey, this is what I want. I want a house with this kind of an entry. I want, you know, tile on the main floor. I want this, I want an open concept kitchen, all these different things. Right. And it didn't come overnight, but 
um, it's amazing what happens with vision boards and when you actually make these, you know, bucket lists and these different things. Over time, things will fall off and, and fall on those lists, but, you know, you'll actually start banging a bunch of them off, right? You'll start popping some of them off because you've already opened your mind up to them. You're already starting to program yourself that this is, these are some of the things that I want in life, right? You know, I think that's so important, like lifestyle by design and um, how to get out of the rat race. It's all just about following a program. So you know, what's your number? What do you need to replace your income? You need 3000 a month, 4000 10000 Go put a plan together and then just start working on it. And uh, awesome. Corey, what was the name of the book again? So yeah, the book is uh, Inside, Inside the Mind of a Millionaire Real Estate Investor. I'll send you guys like a logo on it. Sounds great. Thank you. Sandy, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, 289 or info at com. Yeah, and people can reach me. Uh, well, maybe not. Okay, I'm going to throw the, uh, apparently there's something wrong with my website right now. So if you're listening to this uh, at the time we put it out, just um, just call me, 289-927-0464. And um, you know what? I think it's important for everyone to put this info that they're getting today into action. Uh, everybody, it's time for your breakthrough. See you next time. Cheers, everybody.